Hey everyone, welcome back to our study in Romans chapter 8. And this week we is, is week number 6. In our last session we considered the Holy Spirit's relationship to, to all the things that Paul's been talking about so far in Romans chapter 8. Uh, the Holy Spirit is our helper in the midst of, of the brokenness all around us. And part of what we talked about is how the Holy Spirit sustains us and assures us that we're in the family of God and motivates us to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. He intercedes for us in our weakness, even when we don't know how to pray or don't know whether where to start. While we're in, in this broken body with brokenness all around us, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. And so I think we gained a lot of comfort. I did from the study so far. And today Paul says something profound and, and once again life-changing for us. And we will be looking at verse number 28 today. Here's what it says. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Now what is his purpose? <laughs> We will, I think we've, we've talked about that some earlier in the chapter, and we will touch on it again in the next session. So this is a well-quoted, famous verse. Uh, we use it in counseling, and we run to it ourselves when we go through trouble in our life. Um, but I, I think we usually quote it as a single verse, but that's, that's cool because the one verse does contain context uh, for the truth that it contains. But if we really think about it, I think it's easy to see how it is much of the theme of this whole chapter. It's sort of like a summary verse. Think about Romans 28 in the light of what Paul's been talking about. We're in a, a troubled, broken world full of, I think the word he used was a futility. Creation is groaning. Our bodies are groaning. Um, there's troubles all around us. But now Paul says, as believers, it all works for our good. And that's what we've been talking about throughout the chapter. It's all pointing us uh, to our creator, our healer, the one who was broken for us. All the pain, all the disease, all the troubles point us to our Savior. And the Holy Spirit is right there with us in our troubles, giving us joy in our spirits, even though there's brokenness all around us. So it's a great passage that we can draw strength from today. So God does show us goodness here, right? Don't get me wrong, because <laughs> we talked a lot about brokenness, but there's a lot of goodness. There's families, there's ice cream, there's vacations, um, there's blessings like rain and sunshine, and a million other graces that God gives us. But the thing is, this is not heaven. But it is cool that both the good and the ugliness in the world all point us to Jesus. So as we think about today's verse, um, how all things work together for good, maybe you can think of some troubles in your own life that has uh, directed you uh, to the Lord or work for His glory or your good in some way. Of course, we don't always see the good that comes out of troubles. For me, I've mentioned it before, but depression has many a time been the very thing that sweetened my relationship with God, driving me to, to find a, 
my rest in him. And that makes me think of a passage from Psalms 119, verse 71. It says, It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. And then in verse 72 it says, The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. <laughs> so the writer of Psalms 119, I mean, for him, trouble and affliction worked for his good. And so that goes perfectly with our verse for today. And what about in God's word that was given to us as an example? Can you, you think of any troubles in the Bible that, that God turned for good? I think the Bible is actually full of them. I was just thinking of a few. It didn't take me long. Uh, Daniel, right? He was thrown into lion's den because he wouldn't worship um, or pray to the king. But Daniel kept praying to God, right? And after God delivered Daniel from the lion's den, which of course we would say is trouble, <laughs> uh, King uh, was it King Darius, I think, uh, proclaimed that all the kingdom worshipped the God of Daniel. I believe he did. And then I was thinking of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, of course. Uh, they would not kneel to the image that the king had set up, and they were thrown into trouble. <laughs> Uh, the fiery furnace, right? And God saved them. And uh, I believe there was uh, a similar thing that happened as the king looked down and saw one that looked like the Son of God with them in the fire. And uh, and God got the glory for that throughout the kingdom. And of course, Joseph, I think he, this story is my favorite. He was sold into slavery by his brothers and later falsely accused of rape thrown into prison and when there was a famine in the land that God had let Joseph know through interpreting the king's dream um, he, he stored up grain and when Israel uh, Jacob and his sons came to Egypt because they may have starved to death and so they were saved God used it for good because Israel was saved from death that uh, would come through famine and Jesus came through the line of Judah, which was one of the sons of Jacob. So if you know Christ today, in some way it was because of Joseph's trouble, and it brought you good. Of course, God knew that, and he planned it, and he worked it out. But that's the way he does things. Let me summarize Joseph really quick, and we'll move on. But... Um, after Israel was saved from the famine, his brothers who sold him into slavery feared for their life, and they came before him, and they said, please don't kill us for what we did. We're sorry. And in Genesis 50, verse 20, this is Joseph's response. And see if it doesn't go right along with Romans 8:28. And Joseph is speaking to his brothers, and here's what he says. As for you... You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So God used it for good, for not only for Joseph and all the children of Israel and much of Egypt, but also for me and you today if we know Christ. So moving on quickly to the New Testament, of course, Paul experienced much trouble that God received the glory for 
and God used it for good, not only for Paul, but for many people that they might be saved. Um, he was beaten and imprisoned and whipped uh, and so much, so much more. God used it for good. What about death? Now, can God use it to bring good, whatever kind of death it may be? Of course he can. And there was Lazarus, remember the brother of Mary and Martha, Jesus' friends. He died and uh, Jesus let him die. And then he raised him up. I think it was like um, four days later. And then, I think it's in the very next chapter in John, after he raises him from the grave you can double check this but it says that many people believed on Jesus because of Lazarus so it worked for good <laughs> and of course it works for all believers especially believers who die well instead of um, dying as some of the kings of Israel died in Judah in the Old Testament they may have started out good but they didn't die well and if you want your death to be good and to die well, persevere to the end for Jesus Christ. That is one of the marks of a Christian. And dying well is not only good for us, but it's good for others who see you and have watched you and know what you believe and what you stand for and what gives you joy in life, even in brokenness. I mean, if you're a believer, every death is good because you will be with the Lord. Paul himself in Philippians 1.21 says, For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And then verse 23 and 24, I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. So no matter how you look at the brokenness in the world, every angle, you will see that everything works to, together for the good, for those who love the Lord, for those who are the called according to his purpose. So as we get close to, to closing today, I want us to think about how God can even use the little troubles for his glory. And, and it, that's why it's good to trust God with every inconvenience I know it's hard to train ourselves to, to, to trust God in the little things because we're trained by the world to take charge and take troubles on our own shoulders and be fixers. But think about it. God is at work even in the minor difficulties. The, Romans 8.28 is just not for the, the hard, difficult problems and brokenness of the world. Here's a, a story that's told is true. You may have heard it before. But it gets the point across. A carpenter, an older man, he was building some, some crates for uh, the clothes that his church was going to send to an orphanage in China. All right? So he built the crates and he nailed them shut, full of clothes. On his way home, he reached into his shirt pocket to find his glasses, but they were gone. And he remembered putting them there that morning. Um, so he drove back to the church and he searched, but he couldn't find his glasses. He knew he had taken them with him. When he mentally replayed his earlier actions, he realized that the glasses must have slipped out of his pocket and fallen into one of the crates before he had nailed it shut. So yeah, things like that have happened to me. My glasses have fell off my shirt or out of my pocket, I don't know how many times. 
So this man's brand new glasses were heading for China. Now, it may not seem like a big thing if you are like me and you get your glasses at the dollar store. <laughs> but this was during the Great Depression, okay? And this carpenter man had six children. He had spent $20 for those glasses that very morning. That's a lot of money then and now. And he said, it's not fair. He told God as he drove home. And he was frustrated. I've been faithful in giving of my time and money to your work. And now this. So anyway, several months passed. And a man came to visit their church from the orphanage in China where the church had sent the clothes. And he was the director of that same orphanage. And he wanted to visit all the churches that supported him in China. So he came to speak one Sunday at this small church uh, where the carpenter went in Chicago. The missionary began by thanking the people for their faithfulness in supporting the orphanage, of course. And then he said, but most of all, I must thank you for the glasses you sent last year. You see, the communists had swept through the orphanage, destroying everything, including my glasses. I was desperate. Even if I had the money, there was simply no way of replacing those glasses. Along with not being able to see well, I experienced headaches every day. So my co-workers and I were in much prayer about this. Then your crates arrived. When my staff removed the covers, they found a pair of glasses lying on top. <laughs> the missionary paused long enough to let his words sink in. Then, still gripped with the wonder of it all, he continued, Folks, when I tried on the glasses, it was as though they had been custom made just for me. I want to thank you for being a part of that. Unquote. The people listened and happy for the miraculous glasses, but the missionary surely must have confused their church with another. They thought there were no glasses on their list of items to be sent overseas. But sitting quietly in the back with tears streaming down his face, an ordinary carpenter realized that the master carpenters had used him in an extraordinary way. Now, there was another carpenter whose, whose suffering was much greater, and it too worked for good. I want to close with a reading from Isaiah 53 and then Matthew 26 and 27, and then we'll pray. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Then they spit in his face and struck him, and some slapped him. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole battalion before him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand, and kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe 
and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. Father God, thank you for your word today in this great chapter in Romans chapter 8, this great promise that we can we can know is guaranteed no matter what kind of troubles we're, we're facing today. The minor inconveniences of the day or something like cancer or uh, losing a loved one, we don't always understand it for sure. We don't always see the good. But though the world might have meant it for our evil even, uh, even Christians sometimes, they, they hurt others. We all do. You meant it for good. Though others meant it for evil, like Joseph said to his brothers, you meant it for good. And help us to have faith in you in, in all the brokenness, all the groanings in the world and in our body. Give us your peace. And give us your overflowing joy so that all might see your beauty and your your glory, even in the brokenness. Thank you for sending your son who was broken for us. In Jesus' name, amen.